Greetings, adventures, and welcome to GNGG Cast. Welcome, everyone, to Good Night and Good Game, your Geek News Roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me this week, as always, is my co-host, Hector. Hello. And this week on the show, after the news, we're going to be discussing PlayStation Spartacus, the competitor to Xbox Game Pass. Before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. Our PT episode is up now, and we'd love a new topic to talk about, so let us know. With all that out of the way, it is time for the prelude. Prelude. All right, this is the prelude. This is what we've been doing with ourselves this week, what we've been watching, what we've been playing, what has been occupying our free time. We have been off the air for two whole weeks. Yeah, we have. And from what I understand, no news in the world has happened in those two weeks Mm -mm. that we were gone. Nothing happened. No games came out. Nothing happened. It was boring two weeks. Hector, what did you do for those two weeks? Oh, man. Mine's long. Do you want to start? (laughs) (laughs) You just jump in, man. Okay. Jump in. So... Two weeks ago, after we missed our first show, which was Thursday, it became Friday. Yeah. That Friday, Horizon Forbidden West launched. Mm-hmm. So between that Friday and the next Friday, that's what I did. Yeah. I played Horizon Forbidden West. I probably have about 60 hours into nice, it at this nice, point. Nice, nice, I am not done. Um, uh, and let me tell you why. So my journey through Horizon Forbidden West was very interesting. Mm-hmm. I started the game... Uh, knowing I was in for a big open world, I got maybe like five to eight hours into the game. And I uh, I started to get that like open world fatigue. I, I had that feeling well. Yeah, I, I, I'm going through and I love the story. I love the characters. I love the, ro- I love the robot animals, um, dinosaurs and mammals alike. They're all very, very cool. I love the world. I was immediately impressed by the amazing graphics. Game oftentimes looks better than God of War. And that's really saying something. That is impressive. That, that is, is a inc- that is a high bar. It is such a such a beautiful game. Yeah. But at one point, I got to I, I finished the basic tutorial area, which I will liken to like White Orchard from The Witcher Three, because the tutorial that's trying to teach you all the systems in the game is several hours long. Right. And I get to the end of it, towards the end of it, and at this point, I can see the size of the world map. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's all under fog of war, but I can see the size of the world map, and I like I have this like oh, it's kind of a lot feeling, <laughs> yeah, right? I know that feeling. And as soon as I break out into it, everything changes. Mm-hmm. This is one of the most beautifully realized, detail rich worlds I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Everything about it is beautiful. The the side quests are meaningful. They will affect other things that happen down the line in games. They open other side quests that you wouldn't get otherwise. The hair on Aloy's face is beautiful. The hair on Aloy's <laughs> face is human. Yeah. And like like and beautiful. And anyone who thinks it isn't, it just should it, I don't know. It, I I would say should probably get closer to a woman's face once in a while, <laughs> but only with consent <laughs> is the the point there. Go outside and touch grass. Yes, touch grass first. Yeah, honestly. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. This this game, like, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I got to the first in can- like. Okay, so the world is populated by tribes, Mm -hmm. very, very distinct tribes, and all of them are going to play a role in the story moving forward. This is a big world-encapsulating story. Encapsulating story. This isn't like the factions in Fallout where they kind of are important but are kind of not important. No, no, no. You you must interact with them. They are part of the story. You cannot complete the story without them. In fact, at the end, at the um, beginning of each um, faction campaign, you get a new tool that you need to unlock other things in the world. So the game is guiding you toward these. So very Metroidvania esque in that way. Yes, absolutely. You have to do things to open other things. There are collectibles that you may be collecting uh, 15 hours before you get to the point where you figure out what they're for. But once you unlock that, it's amazingly worth it and so much fun. Um, Creature design is top notch. Uh, Yeah, yeah, there's... 
things, there's details in the game, like just in the creature design that will blow your mind. New secrets to learn just about how to fight and how the mechanics work. Mm. Um, how certain so, characters so, like talk to each other. So it sounds like you got other. over that fatigue then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, that was about that was about eight to ten hours into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that I like experienced that fatigue and then crossed that fatigue. Probably okay. between eight and ten. By the time I was out in the world and discovered my first tribe, I was completely hooked. I realized that these tribes aren't just like people with different coats of paint, Mm -hmm. that they literally have different lives, different ways of looking at the world, and that facilitates what they do. Uh, For instance, there is a tribe that is mostly farmers, and they farm the land, Mm -hmm. and they're having issues because the machines that have been around that actually aren't hostile to humans have been tilling their land for them and now they're not and it's a problem and that's a problem because this other tribe that lives out in the desert can't really farm so they trade able-bodied warriors for food and now that exchange isn't happening okay they also trade for water so now everyone has problems and it's Mm. like issue upon issue and i like i can't like it gets I'll, i'll say this about the game as you get further into it the game was very like rudimentary technology and like bits of sci-fi here and there. Mm-hmm. This game, if this is your bag and would really turn you on to getting into it, goes way, way sci-fi. Really, okay. really fast, kind of all at once. And all of a sudden you're like, what is this? It does expect you to have knowledge of the first game. Then. Oh, God, yes. I should have mentioned that right away. Yeah. Um, you, The game literally picks up three weeks after the first game ends. So they will try their best to explain to you everything you should know, but that might be why the tutorial section is so big. Because they're kind of reteaching you how everything in the game works before adding on to it. So anyway, that's Horizon Forbidden West. I cannot tell you how much, if you have a PlayStation 5, you should play this game. Play it immediately and and play it twice. You'll probably want to play it (laughs) twice. It's 100% worth every penny they're asking for. And then the next Friday came along. (laughs) Um... Yeah. And then I lost my wife. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh god, poor Ross. Uh, poor Aaron, really. Uh, so anyway, the next Friday happened and mm. Elden Ring came out. And I at the time was very on the fence about Elden Ring, uh, not about getting it. I know I was going to get it. Yeah. I knew that I was super hyped for this game, but I was thinking I cannot play Elden Ring for a couple of days so I can finish Horizon. That didn't happen. Mm. I haven't finished Horizon. Mm. I'm going to I'm dedicated to doing so. But so I, <laughs> I took an entire company work trip, had a million stories to tell you, mm-hmm. was ready to sit down at the bar and talk to Hector after two weeks of not doing a show. And Hector has been playing Elden Ring. Yeah. I have. This is the <laughs> longest period of time the two of us have been in a room sans last night. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, Elden Ring, man. I I cannot explain to you if you're a fan of Souls at all. Um, uh, the the best the best thing I can do is quote uh, a YouTube reviewer named Skillup. He described Elden Ring as a double album. Um, it the, the breath is insane. The depth is insane. The first major dungeon you enter is the size of at least the first quarter. Of Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. It is insanely large, unfathomably large. Everything around you is unfathomably large. The world, the open world feels bespokely crafted the way a Dark Souls game feels bespokely crafted, mm-hmm. where they put effort into every single room you're standing in, right. where you feel like there could be secrets anywhere, there could be illusory walls anywhere in the world and when we open the game i've been mostly co-oping with a, a friend of mine ross we open the map and we we um and so it's a fog of war side of thing and you pick up pieces of the map that kind of let you know about the immediate area you're in 
So we grab a map fragment and it's like, oh, hey, and we have a certain size of fog of war around that, right? Mm. And we get a pretty good chunk right off the bat. And we're like, oh, okay, we unlocked a good portion of the map. And there's tons and tons of shit to do. Mm. And we're not halfway through it before we like wander off into the next fog of war and find another map fragment. Yeah. And that reveals kind of the other half of the area of fog of war. Mm. And Ross says, you know what? Looking at this game, like it... It's, it's not as big as everyone's been saying. And I was like, yeah, but there's a lot to do. And he says, that's true. That's true. Let's keep going. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we wander off into the next little bit and we find the next map fragment. And we're like, this might be the last one. And as soon as we pick it up, the entire size of the map expands three times its an original size. Mm -hmm. Like the map just wasn't there before. It just didn't yeah. exist. And we both go, holy shit. Yeah. Wait, that's like at least three more zones. I've heard people have been 60, 70 hours into this game and are still opening up the world. Yes, I am at least 70 hours into this game. I have killed three of at least eight uh, giant uh, uh, story bosses. Yeah. And I'm about 70 hours in. Yeah. Like, and I am about level 70. I've never been level 70 in any Souls game. Yeah. I'm just too overpowered by then to like beat the game without New Game Plus. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still having a lot of trouble in the game. Mm -hmm. There's, it's still hard everywhere. And I find new zones sometimes just wandering around that I absolutely should not be in. They're yeah. way too strong for me. Mm -hmm. This open world has a breadth and a depth that shocks me all the time. Mm -hmm. All the time. One time I found this random thing and it called itself um, just like an elevator out in the world. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, interesting. Maybe it's a dungeon like so many dungeons I've walked into before. And it's not. And it like, have you ever taken an impossible elevator in a video game? And Dark Souls 2 does this mm -hmm. where like you go down or you go up whatever direction you go in. And it's like way, 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 way too long. Mm -hmm. And you just realize the scale of what you're dealing with. Right. Those moments happen constantly in this game wow. it's always breathtaking it's always interesting and you always have a goal for your character you will always find something out in the world that you really want to wield that you my, really want to my do. big question is i know that you have played the soul series much mm -hmm. like i have big fan oh yeah um is this the souls game for people to pick up if they've never played a souls game before this game is much much more souls it's not kinder souls mm -hmm. so the question I would ask the person who said either I've never played a Souls game or didn't really like the Souls games, but I love open world games, mm -hmm. I would say, are you ready to play a Souls game? Because right. the game is always fair and always has options for you, but the only way for you to know about these options and how to use them is to understand the game better. The, it's the kind of game that demands you pay attention and demands that you play it. So if that's the part of Souls that turns you off, then no, this isn't the Souls for you. Okay. But if, if you love open world games and you've always thought you wanted to play a Souls game, definitely give it a try. Okay. Absolutely give it a try. It will probably... I, I can't imagine it not getting Game of the Year. I know everything else coming out this year almost to the T. I can't imagine this game not getting Game of the Year. I really okay. can't. That is a bold statement. It's a masterpiece. I'm going to knock out a couple things just really fast. Yeah, go for um, it. I got really drunk and bought XCOM 2 because it was on sale. Wonderful game. And a uh, great, great way to spend... 15 bucks and I bought the expansions and everything. I'm just like, yeah, it's on sale. Fuck. Yeah. Thank you. Steam for reminding me of that. Mm -hmm. Did that been having fun. Uh, if you are friends and family and or coworkers, I'm sorry that I've named characters after you. Um, <laughs> those people are going to die. Uh, hopefully you'll survive. <laughs> no, they yeah. won't. Um, they will not. I went to Orlando, uh, had to go there for a company function, did a whole company function, went to universal studios, saw the sites, did the things, uh, definitely went to Harry Potter world. Again, we do not, uh, approve of JK Rowling as a person. But oh, yeah. for those of us who love Harry Potter, it is definitely a blast to go and do those things. Absolutely. No, um, James was very kind. He got me a Harry Potter hat that I yeah. will definitely wear, but I will probably be writing on the inside of the Bill and Sharpie, kill the author so that I can show it to people who may protest. Right. Um, and so like uh, everything you've heard about Harry Potter world is not even close to what it is. Let me tell you, like it is an experience. I literally turned down an alley on accident 
in Universal and ended up in Harry Potter world and was so overwhelmed by it, I almost tripped over three people. Like, and, I, and like, I pay pretty good attention yep. with somebody with ADHD. And like, I just so overwhelmed by the whole everything of it that I was just like, oh crap, I'm just like going to trip over some people. There's one thing I do want to briefly talk about to kind of wrap up uh, our prelude here. And that is that last night I took you out to the movies. I made you watch something that is near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched the Twin Peaks movie. You have never seen Twin Peaks before. Nope. The movie is technically, you're supposed to watch it in air quotes after you've watched the series. Mm-hmm. You did not. I did not. What was your first experience with Twin Peaks going to the movie and watching it with me, who's a hardcore fan? Right. So, um, yeah. So, uh, I will say that uh, I am not an aficionado of David Lynch. I've seen a couple of his movies, and I was probably a little too drunk to have watched them when I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of, but but I got the vibe right away, and by about halfway through the movie, I was really, really, really into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those movies that sticks with you, man. Like, there are ups and downs, and it, they're some of the most disturbing things I've ever seen, but also some of the funniest moments mm-hmm. I've had in a while. And being able to mix that, being able to tell a story through emotion rather than exposition and dialogue of like, like for, through really good acting rather than writing mm-hmm. is, is kind of a magic trick. It's a type of movie that I am going to think about um, for a long time. And I was an instant fan. I'll tell you what, it, yeah, wonderful movie. I'm so happy I got to bring you into my world. It's one of those shows that I've been obsessed with for a long time, but it's one of those shows you can't really recommend to people. No, 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 no. Uh, the, the, the number, if I, ever showed someone this movie that um, had never seen it before, it would probably have a like five to 10 minute conversation attached to beginning. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, just in general, unless they thought they were just down to clown. Like, like like James knew I was like, I'll just walk into anything. I like, like I just want to see some interesting (laughs) stuff, but like, yeah, if I thought like you need to see this movie, but I need to explain some shit to you first. (laughs) What's that meme? Like, you know, do you want to watch this thing? Okay. Everybody's got to get cool with some shit real quick. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, that's how that movie works. Yeah. Everybody's going to get really cool really quick about the content of it because it's really fucked up. Mm-hmm, but I'm is. so glad that I got to share one of my passions with you. And it was really great to like just talk cinematography and all those nerdy things. Oh, God, yeah. About, so um, but we're going to go ahead and wrap up the prelude here because we've ran a little bit long. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be going into our main news segment in the Weekly Raid. The Weekly Raid. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is the Weekly Raid. It is our news segment for the podcast. So, in the time that we've been off the air, the world is uh, in a very different place. I, I I don't know what you mean. Yeah. So, uh, in case you haven't been following the news and have been living under a rock, uh, Russia has invaded the Ukraine, uh, and the world's pretty upset about it. Yeah, because it's a shitty thing to do. Don't invade sovereign countries. Yeah. Literally anyone. Uh, to start things off this week, I want to do a little mini news roundup of some of the things that game studios have been doing in response to Russia invading the Ukraine, right? Um, So start off with CD Projekt Red has announced that they will halt all digital and physical sales of games to Russia and Belarus, as well as all game sales on its digital platform, GOG. Doom 2 developer John Romero released a new Doom 2 level that you can buy uh, for about like five, six bucks. All proceeds go to the UN Central Emergency Response Funds. Awesome. EA is removing the Russian teams from FIFA 2022 and NHL 2022. Bungie is, and finally, Bungie is donating 100% of its proceeds from the first 48 hours of their game to give charity drive to humanitarian aid organizations. And I do want to note here, this isn't everything that game studios are doing. This is just like the ones I could pull off the top of my head. Yeah, um, I'm I'm checking on something right now because I don't want to get it wrong, but I believe the developer of Stalker 2 is actually posting about how they're literally hearing like bombs falling around them and they're very sorry if this delays the game and shit like that. Yeah, sorry your game that's sent in a post-nuclear war Russian area made by mm-hmm. Russians is delayed because the war. Yes, their official statement was that development will con- of the game will continue after the victory in Ukraine. Yeah. So um, we're, we're, we're hoping for a Ukrainian victory. We normally don't start this show on such a somber note, but it was important to bring up current world events. Uh, And it is important to say that, you know, our hearts are going out to not only the Ukrainians uh, who are having to deal with this entire mess, um, but also uh, there are a lot of Russians that are trying to stand up. 
Absolutely, and say that there this are. Is wrong. Yes, there are, and and I need and I need to spread this. I know this is a small podcast, but I need to spread this message as wide as I can. The Russian soldiers, for the most part, are conscripted, and you know what they use it as? It's a punishment, usually for people who protest or people who might have gotten in a little bit of trouble with the law. Usually for some political shit, not for like petty theft. So conscription happens a lot, and you have a lot of really young people in a country that uh, full of their neighbors uh, f- full of people who may be their family mm-hmm. so i don't mean to humanize the russian military but they are humans and it is sad that they're in the position that they're in the, the, uh, ukraine and it took people a long time to uh, it, it took a while for this message to get out um, but but i heard it from a very reliable source um the Ukraine has issued a reward to any surrendering Russian soldier. They have to use the word million. And in exchange, they will give them the ruble equivalent of about $40,000. Mm-hmm. And basically says, we'll hide you. Mm-hmm. If you want to get out, we'll give you some money and we'll hide you. You can start a new life. Mm-hmm. And all they have to do is surrender and say the word million and they're done. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened in war. Mm-hmm. I think giving a soldier who doesn't believe in what they're doing, the chance to get out and go somewhere else and uh, d- never never have to deal with this bullshit again is the most anti-war, pro-human thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Imagine being able to take a soldier off the battlefield without any harm. Yeah. Like, uh, let's, let, let's see more of this. Absolutely. I, yeah. Um, I wish everyone over there all, all the peace in the world and all the good luck and... Um, I wish for a current Ukrainian government to stay in place because mm-hmm. it's awesome and they have an awesome president. And um, yeah. And so thank you, game studios who have been banding together through the course of this crisis just to find new ways to make sure that they're funded and the aid that they need is getting to them. Mm-hmm. Agreed. It makes me feel good to be a gamer a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Which is really hard to say these yeah, days. Yeah, it doesn't happen often. <laughs> yeah. While we were off the air, Capcom had a huge announcement, which was Street Fighter VI, mm-hmm. and a game uh, that they're g- is going to be getting released soon called the Capcom Fighting Collection. Okay. The Capcom Fighting Collection will have rollback netcode and will include these games. Darkstalkers and Night Warriors. Nice. Night Warriors, Darkstalkers Revenge. Vampire Savior, Lord of Vampire. Vampire Hunter 2, Darkstalkers Revenge. Vampire Savior 2, Lord of Vampire. By the way, these are all Darkstalkers games. They just have a really bad naming convention. This is Kingdom Hearts level naming convention. Holy shit. So I actually own most of these games. I don't know why I was expecting like Street Fighter 1 through 5 or something. So so most of these games um, I own because I have a modded Saturn and I have Ah. Japanese Darkstalkers fighting games. Nice. A lot of these have not come out to America yet. So these are all getting released. Uh, Also on top of that... uh, uh, other fighting games include a game called Red Earth, uh, Cyberbots, Full Metal Madness, Super Gem Fighter Mini Mix, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, and Hyper Street Fighter 2. Well, all right. Those are all fighting games. Or no, those are not all fighting games, but like even Puzzle Fighter, Puzzle Fighter is going to have rollback netcode. That's dope. You know what? That's, yeah. I am can a, Capcom doing it right? Okay. Continuing to do it right. This is my plea to everybody out there. When this game comes out, please buy it. I don't think they're mm-hmm. going to charge full price for it. I think it's going to be around the $40 mark. Please buy this game. And the reason I say this is that Darkstalkers is one of my favorite fighting game franchises of all time. And the last time they made what was called a Darkstalkers collection, nobody bought it. And then the creators of Darkstalkers were asked, when will you make a new Darkstalkers game? And they said, well, nobody bought the collection, so obviously there's no interest in Darkstalkers. Ergo, we're not going to make a new one. Mm -hmm. Please, 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 for me, just as a favor to me, buy this game to show Capcom that we want Darkstalkers just so that I can have one more of those fighting games in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. That is all I care about. Uh, Also this week, Valve started releasing the Steam Deck, their portable PC platform, and reports of joystick drifting issues uh, due to a firmware update popped up very quickly. Valve was quick to respond and did issue a patch to correct the issue. Now, for those of you who haven't been following joystick news, Mm -hmm. sounds like a porn site, really. It does. Um, 
In joystick news, if you followed anything about the Nintendo Switch, one of the biggest problems with the Nintendo Switch is something that's called Joy-Con drift. Mm-hmm. And it's just that after being, after you use the Joy-Cons for a certain amount of time, you'll notice that without touching the controller, yeah. the, the cursor will move. It's, yeah, the, the neutral position of the stick begins to lean because it's not perfectly set in the right. center or because the elastic doesn't hold it well enough right. in the center. Or sometimes firmware or things like that. Correct. Uh, and so Valve jumped on this very quickly and was just like, Bro, we got this. Yeah. Like that was our bad. We can fix it and is issued this patch. Yeah. Now this is I didn't even include this in the news notes, but one of the big things that came out of uh the Steam Deck getting released was apparently Gabe Newell, the head of Valve, hand delivered some of these Steam yeah. Decks to people in Seattle. Yeah, to the people in the Seattle area. And it was super fun to watch. Like you see people like who were waiting for their Steam Deck enter their front door and go, holy shit, because Gabe Newell's in a mask, like, in yeah. front of them. He's like, hi. He's like, are you Gabe Newell? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm Brandon. He's like, here's your Steam Deck. Do you want me to sign it? Yep. <laughs> and they're like, yes. Yes, I do. I, I, you know, for weeks and weeks and weeks, we always have so much... Uh, so much negative news in the gaming industry and just a little thing like that mm-hmm. makes me remember why I enjoy being a gamer and all of those things because mm-hmm. it's so easy to get lost in the darkness it and is. in with all the bad news coming out and just something like this just made my day just a little bit brighter, a little bit happier. Yeah. So I'm just glad we got it. Yeah. I'll add a little bit to that. Gabe Newell has been making the rounds talking about Steam Deck lately and he had a little bit to say about NFTs when asked um, because Gabe Newell is awesome and he kind of always is because he hand delivers Steam Decks to people. His... Basically, what he said over and over again was there's nothing wrong with shared ledger technology in and of itself. The reason we banned the activity on Steam is because once we started to look at what was happening, it turned out upwards of 50% and often many more of these transactions were fraudulent. Mm -hmm. And we just noticed our customers who were taking part of this getting ripped off upwards of 90% of the time sometimes, depending on the product. And we just decided we didn't want to deal with it. The problem isn't the blockchain software. The problem is bad actors. And until that's fixed, we won't have anything to do with it. Fantastic. And we actually do plan on doing an episode uh, specifically covering NFTs and the way that the games industry is trying to implement them. It's a very deep subject Mm. that I'm trying to parse out and write a script that is... um, you know, something that everybody can access and understand. Mm -hmm. And it's a very difficult topic. And while Hector and I both work in tech, um, not everybody does. So I don't want to go into a discussion like that, just throwing around buzzwords and have it make no sense for people. I want to boil it down to a way that everybody can understand. Mm -hmm. Um, And and by the way, I don't mean dumbing it down. I mean, like, it is a very complicated topic that distilling it to a way that people can understand, like, is, is important to me. So when we do have that discussion for a boss room, I just want it to be, you know, Uh, In such a way that everybody can... Right, as clear and concise and unconfusing as possible. Yeah. So let's get into some Marvel stuff. Love Marvel stuff. So if you want all of your Marvel shows in one location, you're almost in luck. Uh, This month, the Netflix Marvel shows and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are going to be coming to Disney Plus on March 16th. That's fucking awesome. So they're going to be there. So when I say almost there, um, there's one-offs. Obviously, Legion... Uh, one of our favorite shows is. Oh uh, yes, that's a uh, it's on Hulu because that's, that's an FX show, not yeah. a not a Netflix show. Um, Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. Uh, the Runaways. Those mm-hmm. are still on Hulu. Uh, Modoc too, probably. Yeah, Modoc will as, as well. Now mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they won't come to Disney Plus at some point in the future, but they have to work those deals out with FX or any of that. Yeah. But you know, if you're wondering, like, oh no, Daredevil suddenly like popped off of Netflix, it's because it's getting yeah, into Disney. It's on Plus. Disney. And Plus. Honestly, I cannot even begin to imagine how much money that cost them. Oh, dude, like, like I don't even. Yeah, yeah. Those are Netflix whatever. produced shows they made. Oh yeah, and Netflix was probably like, sure, just pay us back for what we spent on them, and right. they were probably like, okay, we'll do that. And but there's an upside here. There's a huge upside here, and that is it opens the, up the universe to the progress to, to to future episodes. Mm-hmm. So everyone with Disney. Plus, hear me now. On March 13th, you don't have to watch it again. You don't even have to watch it the first time if it's not your type of show. Put them on. Let them run. Make sure Disney Plus knows you're watching these shows. Make sure they know you love the characters and the actors so that they make more. That's all we want. I don't even need more Defenders. I need short eight episodes of like more Charlie Cox Daredevil. You know. So what you're saying is we can just... Maybe not stream Iron Fist. <laughs> we don't have to stream Iron. No, no one has to stream Iron Fist. I take that back. Yeah, you cannot stream Iron Fist. Stream Luke Cage 
and Jessica Jones twice each yes, instead please. of Iron Fist. And then like Daredevil four times. Yeah, Daredevil four times and maybe Defenders once. I don't want to shit on it, but like it, was, it wasn't fantastic, but it was still <laughs> worth watching. It was. Uh, speaking of Marvel, Square Enix, the publisher of the recent amazing Guardians of the Galaxy game, uh, came out this last week and stated that the game itself did not meet their sales expectations. They said they're working to expand sales to make up for it, but didn't really offer clarification as to how they'd be going around doing it. Okay, so, there, yeah, there's good news and bad news when it comes to this. So here's, here's the history of why this comment exists. Mm-hmm. Um, EA made that big... Was it EA or Square Enix? Square Enix made the big shitty Avengers game. It was Square Enix, yes. Square Enix. The big shitty Avengers game. Um, that it, it was universally lauded, almost universally hated. It dropped its entire player count almost as fast as Battlefield 2049, 2042, whatever it is. <laughs> but it, the really terrible recently the, released the Battlefield fire game. of Battlefield. Yes. Um, so yeah, that, that almost as hated as that game was this Marvel game. That game, unfortunately, because of what it is, sold about twice as many copies as Guardians of the Galaxy on release. And the reason Guardians didn't sell very well is because everyone was expecting more of that shitty, stupid Marvel game, even though it wasn't developed by the same people or even the same team or even the same company. So the game underperformed a little bit. Now, if you played this game or if you've listened to us talk about this game, this game is fucking fantastic. I love it so it's much. It's such a good game. It's what it's the best Guardian story I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And that's including the Marvel movies because the Marvel movies are the only other Guardian stories I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. This is better. This is awesome. It, it, it feels great to play. Um, and, and, you know, it's not a perfect game. It has its, it has a few downsides. It's a game but that feels good to watch. It does. Yeah, the game was never annoying to me. In fact, whenever it slowed down is when I was happiest because mm-hmm. I got to spend time with the characters. The combat was fine. It could use some improvement, but it was fine. But the actual gameplay and the relationships between the characters is what I was there Every for. Every moment that I got to just be on the ship with the rest of the Guardians not fighting anything and just talking to them yeah. are the, the things that I remember the most and love the most. Yeah. So, um, the good news about this is, about this horrible news that EA is like, oh, I don't know, or or whoever published it, I'm sorry, I'm losing that memory right now. Square Enix, who published Guardians, was like, oh, I don't know, it didn't meet sales. The game, as of this month, is on Xbox Game Pass. You should definitely have Xbox Game Pass. And if you don't, pay the $10 for one month of it and play Guardians of the Galaxy if you haven't. Mm -hmm. And once you're done with that, play all the other games on there, because it's the best deal in gaming. But anyway... Well, the, the the good news part is is that Guardians of the Galaxy is about to come to the entire Xbox Game Pass audience, which is a really good place for a whole bunch of people to go, oh shit, this is a great game, and get those popularity numbers pumped because we want more of this. We do want a sequel to it. More Absolutely. of this. It would not be a week if we didn't have to talk about Activision Blizzard. Oh, no. So, interesting bit of news. One of Activision Blizzard's shareholders, that's not me, Mm -hmm. is suing the company over the proposed nearly $70 billion buyout. Okay. According to the shareholder, the deal is, quote, materially misleading and incomplete, and that Activision's board of directors, quote, failed to create an independent committee composed of disinterested directors to run the sales process. So I'll get to the, the I'll wrap this whole thing up in a second. Mm-hmm. According to GameSpot, the Activision Blizzard board of directors is trying to quote obtain significant and immediate benefits with the proposed sale of Microsoft instead of considering what might be in the best interest of the company overall. So let me boil all that jargon down to you. Mm. What is essentially going on is somebody is calling out Activision Blizzard for trying to sell the company for a large amount of money. Some might say a stupid amount of money. An absolutely stupid amount of money. While ignoring the ongoing issues within the company, such as the reports of sexism and inappropriate behavior. Mm-hmm. That is what this boils down to. As they said, they are trying to just sell the company while it's in its shittiest state. And I, as a shareholder, do not believe that that's morally correct. Yeah. I agree. I mean, honestly, that is what they're doing. They are absolutely abandoning the ship to somebody who's like, I can patch this up as long as y'all get the fuck out. 
And you know what? That might be the best thing to happen to the company. But at the same time, this guy's fucking right. And I absolutely respect and support his um, right to say so. And if he, even if he's successful in halting the sale, I'll be like, good, let those fuckers burn. Let the, let the company fail while we all point and laugh while they lose money. I mean, I don't want, I don't want Blizzard to fail. I don't want Activision to fail as There's franchises. a lot of people there with great... Like a lot of people there with great talent. I want... A, 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 most of the executive staff apparently belongs in jail. Yeah. But other than that, like, there are good people working there. I don't want them to fail, but the guy is right. This is... It, it, whoever posted this it, it is right. The... This is a ma- move made out of pure greed mm. and self-preservation. There and that are, is not more There's correct. rumors going around right now that something like if Bobby Kotick, who's at the center of a lot of this bullshit, mm-hmm. is going to come out like with minimum a clean like $15 million. Yeah. Oh, easily. Easily. Like, the thing is for him, that's barely enough money to go bowling is the problem. Like, what the fuck? Right. I mean, the dude has so much. I, I don't think there's a definition here. Like, some people make the joke, like, he's got more money than God. I'm. That's where we're at with Bobby Kotick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. Make, he makes $15 million in his fucking sleep. Oh, yeah. Once you're a billionaire, I mean, the money stops making sense at that point. Right. Like, like it's enough money to finance a country basically every year. But basically, the board of directors is sitting back and just waiting to get their paycheck. And that's what this guy's calling out. He's like, yep. this is what's happening. Like, he's not saying, I don't want Microsoft to buy Activision Blizzard. Mm-hmm. He's saying that it's happening for the wrong fucking reasons. Right. And, and, and I said this the last time we did a show, is that this is too much money. It is a ridiculous amount of money. And I know that there's a whole valuation process that checks everything, and that's fine. But if Bethesda is worth, you know, of, uh, you know, uh, less than ten billion, and Bungie is worth what three and a half, something like that. Yeah, I mean, the, Activision I mean, Blizzard the, wasn't like the Marvel buyout something like seven. Yeah, yeah, and everyone was like, "Oh, big dick Disney, fucking throwing right. the real money around." Right. Yeah. No, seventy billion dollars is enough money to fix several of the world's problems. It could fix the entire U.S. infrastructure problem by leaps and bounds and um, let's buy activision blizzard bro but instead they're gonna buy a company that is in currently in the process of actively failing and is probably the lowest rated it has it's certainly the lowest rated it's ever been in its history by everyone who supports the company so yeah yeah you know what if they were selling it for thirty billion, I'd be like, "That's too much," but whatever. Seventy billion dollars is no. That's end world hunger money. Fuck you guys. No one deserves that. All right. What else we got this week? Oh, uh, so I'm hoping I'm going to pronounce her name correctly. Not that she listens to the show, but uh, Laura Mille, the chief operating officer at EA. Mm-hmm. Gave a speech at the Dice Gaming Convention uh, this last week in Las Vegas. So her keynote was called "Realizing Our Full Potential to Lead the Modern Entertainment Industry." Mm-hmm. And during this, she called for the gaming industry to have real accountability for their leaders. According to her, anybody who falls short, quote, needs to go. Mm-hmm. She went on to not name names in the industry, but it was very clear who she was talking about. If you just listened to what we just talked about, you may know who (laughs) some of these people are. Yep. So I'm going to go ahead and just quote some of her speech. It said, we must hold each other accountable. It matters a lot. People became game developers because they love making and playing games. But if we want to continue to attract the most creative and talented people, We have to make our industry a great place to work for everyone. When we acknowledge the diversity of the human experience that represents the world that we live in, we look at the games that we create, the people who create them, shape societies and culture all over the world. Attention must be paid on all fronts of diversity and inclusion. She said, How often do we seek to tell stories of underrepresented people? Are we portraying people of diverse backgrounds authentically? Are we imparting our unconscious bias into our narratives? And how do diverse and how do diverse and inclusive are our stories, our gameplay modes, our settings? 
To the COO of EA, this is important because games have the power to, quote, shape how people see the world and show up for each other. Fucking A. Chick's my hero. Absolutely. Like, like, power to her. Like, that was awesome. I don't want to be the guy that's just like, wow, this came out of somebody from EA. But it is. Yeah. And And they're right there on the ground floor to see it, right? So, yeah. I mean, we're here in Austin where EA is down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, I've applied for jobs there multiple times. (laughs) Um, Everything that she's saying is here is true. Yep. And I and, and, and it's hard for me to say that because like I'm a sure white dude. Like I can't I can't speak to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know as somebody who's been doing this show for ten years, you know, we've talked a lot about um, diversity in gaming, whether that be on the level of um, who you hire mm-hmm. to who's visually represented on the screen. And that's important. Um, I know that I talk about Overwatch a lot because it's such a near and dear thing to my heart. I'm literally sitting in an Overwatch chair. I promise you I'm not an Overwatch shill. (laughs) But one of the reasons that people love that game so much is that a lot of people can find a character Mm -hmm. that represents them. Yeah. Whether that be via race, sex, uh, sexuality Mm -hmm. is a big one. Yeah. Um, The world needs more diversity. The world needs more heroes. And what she's saying is absolutely correct. And maybe we are so jaded that we could look at her commentary and say, you know, oh, well, this is just a corporate shill saying things that are the hot buzzwords right now. Mm. But I mean, every word of what she said is very, very true, that we do need that representation. We do need that diversity. We do. Whether that be the programmers behind the scenes or the characters that we see on screen. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've been saying it for ages. It's so refreshing to hear again when so much of gaming news can be very very dark um to get something like this and say that maybe just maybe if the rest of the game industry can think this way the games that we will see in the next 10 20 years are going to be so much more and this is a horrible use of the word so much more colorful yeah no no but you're right and and we're getting there we're getting there one thing i didn't mention when i was talking about uh horizon was um there are queer characters all over the game there are are trans characters like they're represented well they um the the, their storylines are never about their their queerness or their transness it's always about their lives and you find out tangentially or through dialogue options, like 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 who they are and what's going on, and it was a um, a character who uh, uh, I was speaking to at one point that uh, I, I just it just didn't it, it didn't none of it registered to me until they were like well they laughed at me when I wore a woman's armor and I looked and I was like oh oh this was right in front of me and I completely missed it mm-hmm. and stuff like that and yeah it, it's very good so the. Representation is happening and it is getting better, but we need more and more and more. And we need the people at the top to start looking a lot like the people who are making these games. Absolutely. I completely agree. All right. You know what? It ended on a happy note. Yeah. It was rough getting through the news sometimes, but we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a small break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking all about the new PlayStation experience in the boss room. Boss Room. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is The Boss Room, our main topic for the show, sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. This week, we'll be taking a dive into the upcoming Sony project, codenamed PlayStation Spartacus. Now, this is supposed to be the competitor to Microsoft Game Pass. Now, obviously, you've already heard our opinions on Game Pass. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Best deal in gaming. So... What I'm going to do is I want to break down what this is, and I'm going to start with the facts, and then we can kind of discuss it from there. And these facts right now are facts as we know them, right? This is what has been either kind of leaked or have been softly given out. I believe uh, it was like, I can't remember, VentureBeat was the actual quote for a lot of these places. Okay. So a respectable source, um, I've I've I always try and cite multiple sources when I take notes for this show. Uh, I did a double and triple checking for this one. Right now, this is just everybody's consensus of what it is. But it is asterisks. These things are not finalized. Mm -hmm. Okay? So let's do the facts. The facts are these. PlayStation Spartacus will offer users three tiers. Essential, Extra, and Premium. The names are subject to change. Okay. The Essential plan is 
10 US dollars and offers up a small selection of games that people can play each month. The extra plan will be $13 US and comes with the essential quote monthly games. Um, so everything we just talked about, mm-hmm. but access to a larger catalog of PlayStation titles, kind of similar to how PlayStation now works. Right. And okay. that's what, that's what venture beat said. Okay. The last part I pulled from GameSpot, So I'm going to quote them a little bit and it says premium tier includes both of these features along with PlayStation now streaming capabilities and a library of quote classic games and also quote new games trial as a feature allowing players to try out new games before they purchase them. However, the report states that these trials will likely have limited time functionality, Mm -hmm. much in the way that EA play works. Subscribing to the premium tier is the most costly option, setting PlayStation users back $16 a month. Okay. So we are hearing that Spartacus is entering its test phase soon, and they should have a full announcement about what the program is sometime this month. Hmm. So let's dive into all these facts I just gave you and what this could mean for the world of gaming. Yeah. I mean, uh, so far it sounds like they're... So just to be super real with everyone, Xbox Game Pass offers at a massive loss. Um, uh, Allowing us to just play all these games whenever we want for a subscription fee for existing games, not games that Game Pass is developing themselves and like moving to their own content the way Netflix eventually ended up doing. Um, It is, you know, it's a huge library of games and it's an amazing library of games, oftentimes very new games. Um, But yeah, at $10 a month, it's not making Microsoft money. Mm. It Microsoft, sounds like from what I'm Mi- seeing, Microsoft's playing the long game. They are. With, they with absolutely are. Yeah, they're, because they're, they're done Net- with consoles. Yeah, they're doing what Netflix did. Netflix operated at a loss for a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. But once enough users got on board, you start to make a profit. And once you start to make a profit, it grows exponentially. Yep. And that's what they want. Uh, Sony doesn't really seem to be as willing to lose as much money based on what I'm hearing the offerings are. Mm-hmm. But I do know that they're trying to venture out in this direction. For example, this month on PlayStation Now, which I don't have because I I, I don't like the idea of streaming games. Mm-hmm. Um, they will be offering Shadow Warrior 3 at launch, which is a brand new game that just came out. And on day one, it was available on PlayStation Now. Devolver Digital, y'all. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you're at all interested in the, sha- in, in, in the Shadow Warrior series, like... It's so ridiculous. Play it. It's too it's, much fun. It's yeah. way too much fun. Um, but yeah, so it sounds like they're not swinging for the fences in a, oh, us two, us two sort of the way. It seems like they're trying to find a service that will attract customers, A, B, not lose them too much money, and C, and this is what I'm getting at, eventually force Microsoft to raise the price of Game Pass. What they really want is for Game Pass not to be such a good fucking deal. Right. So as I was pouring over the the facts for this and I was trying to figure out where the hole in the plan is or what could hold people up from purchasing this new program first, Game Pass doesn't really have tiers. No. It's a flat fee no, yeah. and you get all the things. Yeah, it, it, it's Netflix and, and, and all online services should be. Don't give yeah. me tiers. And Honestly, so, so it's, not, it's not cool. Tiers are a big flaw in my book. Yeah, agreed. The second thing I'm thinking about is, and now it did take some time for Microsoft to get to this point, mm-hmm. but for a, because I, I had uh, I was an early adopter to Xbox uh, Gold or whatever yeah, okay. it was called. Um, when Game Pass came out, for a long time you could have Xbox Gold and then you could have Xbox Game Pass. Mm-hmm. At some point, Microsoft went, "Why would we make people double dip?" And so it's now a thing. You, if you have Game Pass, you have Gold. You have yeah. the monthly free games that they give you. All of that. Yeah. Right now, Sony's made no move, moves to say if you own this new Spartacus that you you're still going to be playing the fat uh, sorry flat rate of fifty dollars or sixty dollars a year for PlayStation Plus. Right, and that's that's that, a problem. Yeah, that that's you know that 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 is absolutely a thing that they need to fix. If you have 
If you're paying for PlayStation Plus, you should absolutely have this pass, or vice versa. Right. One or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they should absolutely not be double dipping, because if they do, I'm not going to do one of them. Because honestly, at this point, while I've had my PlayStation Plus subscription for as long as I have, yeah. I've looked at it over the last few months and gone, do I really need this? A lot of the games I play on PlayStation are single-player experiences. Yeah, same. And I don't get a whole lot of benefits other than maybe one game a month that might be good. Yeah. Whereas now with my Game Pass, by the way, Microsoft did a brilliant thing where they folded my subscription for um, Xbox Gold into my Game Pass because they knew I had both. And they're just yep. like, here you go. The next like, yeah, year, one and price. next like year and a half, you're already covered, man. You have nothing to worry about. One price and it's, it's already done. And you already have a uh, the last year of Game Pass. So we're not going to charge you for, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just... It's one of those things that Sony's got to consider these little things yep. because it will mean a lot to PlayStation users if you say, hey, if you have a PlayStation uh, Plus subscription, we're just going to roll that into this new, their model of Game Pass, mm-hmm. give all give you all of these things. But I, I fear they're not going to do it. Yeah, they're not going far enough. And I feel like the reason for that is because they have for the last two generations and certainly right now, just the, the larger install base of consoles by like leaps and bounds. So they probably don't feel as threatened as maybe they should. So they're offering a worse deal because they feel like they can afford to. And the problem with that approach is is it's only going to make Microsoft's offerings more generous to counter them. Yeah. And that's that's the rough part. It's not it's not going to cost them money. It's going to toss them public opinion. It's going to cost right. them, you know, uh, uh, sound bites and column inches. Right now, their advantage to this particular package is, hey, we are going to give you access to PlayStation exclusives. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Yeah. Which is great. But here's the thing is that that's the short term. Mm-hmm. When we talk the long game, y'all, Microsoft just bought a bunch of game studios. Yeah, they did. Like, yeah, they did. They just bought a bunch. So whatever games are coming out, like they bought fucking Bethesda, y'all. Yeah. They bought fucking Bethesda. Yeah. They own Skyrim. Yeah, start thinking Skyrim, start thinking... Uh, uh, Fallout. Did, yeah, Fallout. Or, Doom. Yeah, Doom. Uh, uh, Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein, the much underappreciated, but a big deal in my heart, Prey, oh, Prey. is on there. Yeah. Please give Prey a sequel. Yeah, give Prey a sequel. And just make just more Arcane games. Honestly. Right, Arcane, we love you. Yeah. You're an Austin-based studio, and I would marry every single one of your employees, because that's how much I love Arcane. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole thing of it is, PlayStation is coming into this with the right intentions, but I feel like they're a bit behind the curve yes and they they are and i almost feel like and and just because like nobody who does these things are idiots yeah you know they're they're not like looking at something and being like let's make ours worse for any reason other than they feel like they can afford to like it's a calculated move yeah and at one point i get it but it also makes me sad because it's not consumer forward and i feel like if sony's gonna make moves to try and emulate Microsoft, they should focus on making them consumer forward. Right. So let's take this from the Microsoft perspective. From the Microsoft perspective, we have a situation where they have purchased uh, Arcane, Bethesda, all that stuff. And they said, uh, you know what? The next Fallout game or the next uh, Skyrim game, Mm -hmm. by the way, you can get it, you know, with us first. If you have Game Pass, you don't even have to buy the full game. Day one it comes out, it's on our platform. And Mm -hmm. everybody goes... I will sign up for that, my friend. Yep. Sony's going, well, we've got a lot of a great back catalog and a mm. lot of Sony exclusives. And like, yeah, that's a good offering. But like, what have you done for me lately? So, right. like, so- Sony would have to do some to compete with Microsoft in the space. They'd have to do something like hypothetically buy Konami and say the next Silent Hill game is coming out purely on our platform. You mm. must subscribe to this uh, service to be able to play it. That's the kind of punch you in the face competitive behavior that you were looking for. Right? That would be a really good move. I think they're setting themselves up to make moves. And the reason that I think that is because of their bungee acquisition. So the way that I see PlayStation's immediate future, like the next five years or so, is to use the developers of what, like, basically the only game in first-person shooter online play mm. and the expertise they have in crafting open-world, you know, live-service games 
and do what they said they're going to do is add a bunch of live service games to their catalog. Mm -hmm. So what they're doing right now is they're trying to make the online aspects of Sony and not the just, you know, bespoke boutique AAA space that they own so, so hands down Mm -hmm. the only thing they're doing. They want to be like, oh, well, you also go to PlayStation to get online. And the more they've tried, the more mediocre it's gotten. So they're trying to really give it a shot in the arm. But what they want, what they want is for you to buy a PlayStation and be like, look, if you own a PlayStation, you own Destiny. Period. Get on and mm-hmm. play it. If you're subscribed to our online shit, get into Destiny, play some rounds. Maybe may, do gonna, some microtransactions. It's going to piss a lot of people off, but we've known that Sony has had certain things exclusive to Destiny for a very long time, mm-hmm. which has very much upset a lot of people. Oh, yeah. But like, honestly, if Sony said, by the way, you get some of your Destiny stuff first here on Sony. Yeah. Yeah, it, it would attract a lot of Destiny fans, but it would also make a lot more Destiny fans out of just PlayStation people yeah. who were never going to buy the game, but now that they just have it, might give it a shot yeah. and might fall in love with it the way that so many people do because of I can how hear, I can hear the ghost of Tony in the background just screaming <laughs> right now, just <laughs> like, no! Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, but... So so I think this is their idea. They want to break into this space with a lot of really attractive offerings and they're not it doesn't seem like they're willing to just put a bunch of games that everyone else is already playing on their platform and try and trap them there. Yeah. It seems like they want to make their own things and get people into them. Mm-hmm. And they tr- I mean there was Godfall, right? And Godfall was fucking terrible. <laughs> they were trying something with just- that. But goddamn, like that that didn't they, work. They tried, out. they tried. Oh, that game was just way too silly. So let's get into the meat and potatoes of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, this offering does not sound as good on paper as Xbox Game Pass, right? What can Sony do, in your opinion, in the time between now and when this thing launches? to make you say, I absolutely do want to pay the maximum cost for this product and will in, in, in continue subscribing to it the way that I do Game Pass. Um, yeah, I mean, Gar- uh, okay, so first of all, and the easiest one for them to do, and they really should do this, every PlayStation exclusive since PlayStation 3, maybe even PlayStation 2, if they can get them running, mm. should be downloadable and playable on this. Mm. Um, and I mean, even the really obscure ones, even like, some of the Japanese. You're like only the ones. bouncer day one. Let's yeah, go. I need the bouncer. I absolutely need okay, the bouncer. I am the only person in the world that has ever said I need the bouncer. No, <laughs> man, that's like that was beat em ups when you thought like beat em ups could change because graphics were changing and games were changing. The first thing I remember reading about that game, it was like one of my early childhood game boners just from like reading a magazine was that someone would get thrown into a wall in a picture would fall off of it and me being like video games are crazy it's so real yeah like that was that was how i what i knew about the bouncer mm-hmm. yeah no but um yeah every playstation exclusive from playstation 3 forward needs to be on there all the big ones even all of the little ones put fucking ascension of the metatron on there put mm-hmm. you know a, anything you can think of that was exclusive to PlayStation, made with PlayStation, throw it on there. Do whatever you can to make them better experiences, like Microsoft has. And then just, you know what games would love to be on your pass if you just cozy up to them and give them some money? Not buy them. Do not buy studios that aren't yours, that that aren't interested in being bought. But be like, yo, Devolver, here's some money. How about every game that you ever release goes day one on our service? You know, that'll make them incredibly popular. Well, one of the things that we're not discussing here is that the thing that nobody talks about Game Pass is the things that go on to Game Pass aren't forever. Yeah, it's true. The Microsoft exclusive ones, they do stay on there. Mm -hmm. But the Game Pass is, is Netflix for gaming. It is. So I get on there, I play a game... And I need to play it probably in the first couple of months because if I don't, then I need mm-hmm. to go out and buy it. Or yep. the big thing that they do is they, they say, hey, this game, let's say Fallout 76 comes yeah. up. You could play the base game, but expansions you got to pay for. Yep. Mm-hmm. You need to. That marketing is good. 
It is good. And be and it gives you a discount on the expansion. It does, yes. I forgot yes. to mention that. As part of the pass. And that should absolutely be the case, too. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if you could just grab, uh, you know, Spider-Man and maybe pay for the expansions or something. Oh, man, there you go. Yeah. I, would do, I would do that now. Yeah, absolutely. Cost of entry right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same with a few of the other games that have received expansions. But, mm-hmm. like, yeah. There's- Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want the old hunters? Sure. But uh, here's Bloodborne. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's yeah. on my pile of shame. I, fi- mm. I have platinum Bloodborne, but I have not played the expansion yet. Oh, man. Yeah. It's just, just, just prepare to die more. I know. <laughs> I'm so ready. I have oh, so many yeah. Souls games just on my back catalog right oh, now. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like the next six months. I'm just sitting here, like, literally going through what I'm doing next in Elden Ring when I am get home in my head. <laughs> it's, it's been my life for the last You're week. You're like, I'm ready to get the show over with. No, it's, it's, it's everything I do. I was throwing axes last Sunday, and I was another person there who had been playing Elden Ring, and we were talking about it, and he's like, are you just really excited to go home when your matches are done? I'm like, dude, I carpooled here. <laughs> I like, I have to wait for people. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm going straight home to play more Elden Ring. So I think the big thing is we kind of talk about this is that PlayStation's like heart is in the right place, mm-hmm. but for them to execute on this properly, I think that we do need to get rid of the tier structure. Yes, the tier structure is just a bad move. If you want to make it $15, make it $15. Right. That's fine. You can afford to charge more for your service. You have a bigger install base. Right. Like, get, that's fine. Get rid of the tier structure. Yeah, tiers are dumb. Include uh, PlayStation Plus yes. as part of it. Yes, and if 100%. You ha- if you have PlayStation Plus, just roll that into the new thing. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Just say, look, you have PlayStation Plus. Well, guess what? You paid already paid this much per year. You now have the thing. Yeah. Um, what games are going to be exclusive to it is going to be very important. Mm-hmm. But we'll know more about that in the future. We can't really speculate on that too much. Yeah. Right? And I mean, it's not, it's almost not worth thinking about. When Xbox Game Pass came out, um, no one was concerned with like at least 70 to 80% of the catalog. Right. They were there and it was nice, but people were really there for like a, a handful or maybe a baker's dozen games. Yeah. And uh, over time, it grew. And that's all it needs to do. But, you know, you need some eye catchers, you know, yeah. th- and that's really what they have to do, right? Yeah. Is they have to have this pass and they have to be like, look, if you have this So what pass, you're saying is the Bouncer 2. Yes. PlayStation exclusive. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be awesome. But, uh, I mean, if they want to launch it with Bloodborne 2. Oh, see, that would do it. That yeah, would do it. yeah, you know, and it's just, I'm, I'm just thinking big. Bloodborne 2 would be the one that I think you could sell everybody on the pass on if you mm-hmm. said, like, look, only way you can play it is if yeah. you have this pass. And it's just a really good idea. I mean, Game Pass, like, sold a lot of, of subscriptions when they were like, yo, the next Halo Games campaign is on there. Yep. It's like, yeah, 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 I'm in. It's G- true. Give it to me. You gotta, you, you do have to spend money to make money, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what PlayStation needs to look at is that, you know, don't think short term. Again, like all the stuff we've been talking about here, like don't put these tiers. The tiers mm-hmm. are like only a couple dollars away from each yeah, other. Yeah, no, no, the tiers are dumb. Look, if there are some games you want to charge for, if the, if you know, if Uncharted 5 comes out and you want to be like, look, it's day one on the pass, but you need to give us like 20, 30 bucks for it. That's fine. Yeah. $70 game. You, I'll yeah. give you 20, 30 bucks for it if I have the pass. You know, that's a good discount. Yeah. And the discounts are where you get people. That's yeah. a good reason to own the pass. Yeah. Even beyond like whatever games are available. There have been times where I've been playing a game that was on uh, only on that it was on like uh, Microsoft's Game Pass, uh-huh. and I've gotten two thirds of the way through it, and it was just like, by the way, like the expansion to this is like three dollars, right? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm already invested at this yeah, point. Yeah, I've been playing the game. Like, I might as well just just buy the thing, like. And also, like, I get to give money. I got to try the game first, and I get to give money to the developers on top of that. Yeah. Like, please, that's a giant plus for me. Yeah. And game Pass has even said, like, you know, yeah, that money just goes to the developers at that point. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's where it goes. So why not? Yeah. Right? No. Like, that, that is the model, and it's a very good model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. No tier structures. Um, day one exclusives or at least discounts and like availability of day one exclusives and um just a good library yeah like like a good library goes a long long way and in fact it goes most of the way when it comes to a service like this it's like three-fourths yeah please don't do okay so xbox game pass is wonderful what a lot of people every month have the most fun shitting on is xbox games with gold 
Right. Because it's a list of about five to eight games that either no one has ever heard of or no one's thought about in about 10 years. Yeah. And everyone just lolls at them because they're like, no one's going to download that. No one's going to play that. What PlayStation Spartacus needs to avoid is that. Yeah. Is when their monthly list of new available games comes out, people don't collectively rot, want, like round up to go want want yeah like like because that's what games with gold is. And Game play- Pass is a different story, and that's good. And PlayStation needs to embrace its weirdness. Like go oh, go yeah. find those weird ass titles. Oh yeah, like find a way to port Inscription to your yes. service. Yes, like absolutely. Do, do the weird man. Like, yeah, I mean PlayStation used to be really good about weird indies, and and like this is why I feel like a partnership with Devolver would be such a good yeah. idea. Yeah, absolutely. So. As we wrap this whole thing up, final thoughts about PlayStation Spartacus. Obviously, we still have more news to come mm-hmm. throughout the weeks, but what are your final thoughts on it? I mean, they still have a long way to go. Um, as a as a giant Sony and PlayStation fan, um, I'm very on the fence with whether or not I will purchase it. I'm going to have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. And that alone should be enough indication to Sony that they need to do better. Yeah, and I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm looking at this going, like, what you're giving me for offering sounds nice, but, like, it it may not be enough, Yeah. right? What is it that would make me buy another subscription service when mm-hmm. I already have 5 million subscription services? Exactly. You need to fucking sell this to me, and right now you are just not selling it to yeah. me. Yeah, and to give you a goal for some extra bonus credit, Sony, what you really, really, really want is to sell me a subscription service so good that I think to myself why am i still paying 10 bucks a month for game and and one of the things i just want to throw out here right now is you and i are both privileged in the fact that we both have ps5 oh yeah do not sell your service around this is how you get the up-and-coming playstation 5 games because Mm. honestly most of the world right now is either unable to afford or unable to get your platform Mm -hmm. you need to be taking care of your PlayStation 4 and every other user because those are the majority of the people that are still playing on PlayStation. Mm -hmm. Yes, it'd be great if us who were lucky enough to have a PlayStation 5 get some really cool stuff. But if you make us the main focus, you are losing track of the majority of your audience and that means that when it comes time they can get their hands on new hardware, they will abandon the PlayStation 5 and go to Microsoft's model because the Xbox One and all that, uh, you know, it, it all boots up up with games with gold yep think about the majority of your users mm-hmm. right up that's that's my final preaching on it that's where i'm at all right that is everything that we have for the show this week thank you so much for sticking with us um we love talking about games it's been a couple weeks since we've been on the air we are out of practice but getting back into it even though we've got like 10 years experience doing this thing <laughs> But here we are. We had like so many technical problems just getting like, like I, I shit you not. It was just like getting the, my the little like tablet to oh, yeah. get updated just to load up docs. Yeah. It get, thought it was like 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah. It was a whole mess. Like our show, like no matter how perf- like perfect we think that we have it, something will always go wrong. So thank you for sticking with us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to us rant. We want to hear all of your feedback about all the things that we've been talking about. Um, you can hit us up at, at G and on Twitter. I'm on Twitter all the time. Please interact with me. Of course on Patreon, you can, uh, you can find us, uh, you can subscribe to us there. You can donate to us there. Mm-hmm. You can uh, suggest topics for us to talk about. Yeah, please we do, do. We do private episodes just for Patreon. We have both our extensive, Final Fantasy 7 remake <laughs> episode on there and our PT episode that I did way too much research into and went a little bit crazy as I did it uh, but that's the kind of stuff that I love to do so so doing that really does help our show every dollar by the way that's uh, brought into our show does not go into our pockets mm-hmm. um, all of it really does go into buying new camera equipment all the things that we need um, mm-hmm. and then like once in a while I'll buy, buy a small like toy for Salem cause he just hangs out with us. Yeah. Salem's um, right here. Yeah. He, he's this part of the show. Big fat black cat that just hangs out with us that sometimes comes on camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to everybody who, who tunes in every week, but until next week for Hector, this is James. And for James, this is Hector. Everyone. Good night. And good game. <laughs>